0: Welcome to the Faith and Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing. We are an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, where our aim is to inspire an authentically Christian practice of modern investing. This podcast features conversations with thought leaders in the space of faith and investing and also functions as an audio digest of the articles we feature in our online journal at faithandinvesting.com.
1: Welcome back to the Faith and Investing Podcast. I'm Matt Gallion with the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing. Any investor that follows market-related news will hear their fair share of commentators discussing the economy. The commentator's focus could be in the weeds, discussing what an individual company's report tells us about the state of the economy at large. Or it could take a bird's eye view, looking to key economic indicators for guidance on where the economy might be heading. While this analysis can be helpful, it can also cause us to forget that behind the numbers, there are three simple components to an economy. People, place, and an exchange. Today, we're bringing you an article that brings these components of an economy back into focus and looks to the Bible for guidance on how we as Christians can properly order our economic focus for the benefit of all and the glory and honor of God. This article is written and read by Will Sorrell. Will is an investment solutions manager at One Ascent, where he oversees all things values-based investing. Will holds a joint MDiv and MBA from Sanford University's Beeson Divinity School and is a CFA Level 2 candidate. He has also written for Christianity Today and the Gospel Coalition. Without further delay, here is Will reading his article titled A Tale of Two Economies.
2: Economies don't have to be complicated. All you really need is three things people, a place, and some type of exchange. It's that simple. For instance, a 12-year-old doing her chores forms an economy. She and her parents are the people, the home in which they reside is the place, and the allowance traded for three laps around the block with the family dog is the exchange. However, the kind of economy that forms between people, places, and exchanges depends entirely upon which of these entities we consider means versus ends let me explain. A rightly ordered economy. Are exchanges meant to serve people and places or are we and the world around us subservient to exchanges? Our answer to this question fundamentally shapes how we view our neighbors, spend our dollars, and invest our income. Prosperous exchange, for example, is a good thing. We should want the buying and selling of goods and services to lead to flourishing for all. But if we make our bottom line the bottom line, we risk achieving profit at the expense of dignity. While this proper ordering of people, places, and exchange may seem like abstract semantics, the priorities we place on each of these three components of an economy shape our lives and our world in remarkable ways. Let's look at a tale of two economies. The economy of Eden. If we're trying to determine where our priorities lead, scripture leaves little to the imagination. The economy of Eden is the economy of God, where, as C.S. Lewis puts it, the, quote, world is bursting with life. "...because the song with which he called it into life still hangs in the air and rumbles in the ground." After a grand narrative of creating, shaping, and perfecting the details of the heavens and the earth, the Lord does something unexpected, something drastic, something other gods in Mesopotamia and modern life would have never dared to do. He shares his power and authority. He settles man and woman into a garden, into a home, and he charges them, quote, to work it and to keep it, unquote. Genesis two fifteen ESV. This is a divine duty, a royal responsibility, the personification of dominion. The people of God are in the place of God, and we are left to imagine them planting, harvesting, and exchanging with one another, thus forming an economy. This is indeed very good. Men and women keep the garden by keeping watch against anything that could encroach on God's good design. They work the garden by transforming creation into culture. God made wheat, and we make bread. Quote, wheat is good, but bread is very good, unquote. Andy Crouch Good things spring out of the ground at every turn. It's almost like creation can't help but respond to the investment of their work. As the footprints of God himself leave their trace in the cool of the day, all of creation, people and places, deal rightly with one another. Exchange, made possible by humanity's working and keeping of the land, leads to life. As far as the eye can see, in the words of Julian of Norwich, quote, All shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Unquote. The Economy of Babylon. We know that with a single turn of the page, the economy of Eden unravels. While the ripple effects of sin and death resound throughout all of time and space, The name the Bible most consistently gives to fallen economies is Babylon. It's an archetype of all the ways the curse fills people with pride, places with decay, and creates exchanges that are imbalanced. God forms man from the ground in Genesis 2. God curses the ground in Genesis 3. And the blood of a murder victim cries out from the ground in Genesis 4 why because Cain a person worked the ground a place and did not trust the Lord with the best of his fruit in exchange in a single generation we've moved from an economy of keeping watch to one of embracing temptation from cultivating creation to envious bloodshed we've traded trust and abundance for self-sufficiency and greed Exchange has now taken precedence over people and place. If we turn the pages a few more times, we see fallen economies at scale. Instead of making bread from wheat, slaves make bricks without straw. Instead of walking with God in the cool of the day, exiles march into captivity with fishing lines strung through their noses to keep them in line. Instead of dominion royal authority responding to God's rule and reign, we prefer domination, insecure authoritarianism, grasping for power and influence. How does the economy of Babylon end? Revelation 18 paints a startlingly clear picture. Flame and ash are the guaranteed return on investment in Babylon. As John the Revelator speaks of Babylon, he has Rome in mind an economy built on excess and exploitation. As the perfume of comfort and self-glorification has found its way into the Lord's nostrils in the throne room of heaven, smoke rises in Babylon, destroying the market for goods like pearls, silk, bronze, wine, and cattle. If you're like me, when you approach long lists in the Bible, your eyes tend to glaze over, And start skimming. John lists 28 goods that were exchanged in Rome's economy, and he lists them in order of market value. Unsurprisingly, he starts with gold, but as the list concludes, my stomach turns. In 28th place, we find slaves, bodies, human souls. The Lord will not allow any economy that places wealth at the top and people at the bottom to survive. In the end, Babylon burns. But before we sit in judgment, we are wise to reflect. What if I were to describe to you how the Roman economy prioritized exchange over people? What if I told you that luxury was this economy's primary currency and sex was its favorite commodity? What if its leaders were egotistical, hypocritical, and concerned only with gaining and maintaining power? What if they had a history of treating certain groups of people as second-class citizens, if citizens at all, and depriving them of financial opportunity? And what if much of this iniquity was done in the name of the pop culture religion of the day? If all of this is true are we sure we're only talking about Rome? How then should we invest? The call in Revelation 18 is to come out from Babylon, to run, to flee, to disassociate entirely. But how can the people of God come out from Babylon when all roads lead to Rome? Obedience does not include abstaining from the economy. Obedience includes recognizing temptation, evaluating prioritization, and forsaking the road to glory for the road to the cross. Our investments can encourage exchanges that lift people and places from the bottom of the pile to the top. Through diligent prayer, humble cooperation, and patient wisdom, the people of God can form economies that resemble the garden, even east of Eden.
0: Thank you for listening to the Faith and Investing Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Your rating and review allows more people to discover helpful resources on faithful investing. To find out more about the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, visit us at faithandinvesting.com. This communication is provided for informational purposes only. Eventide Center for Faith and Investing is an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor. Information contained herein has been obtained from third-party sources believed to be reliable. An employee of one ascent has an equity interest in Eventide. This individual does not have an active role within the company. However, he does receive profit-sharing distributions based on his equity ownership, giving him an incentive to support sales of Eventide's investment products and services.